Hello and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports Podcast. I'm Anna Lively. Since the WNBA playoffs recently got underway, I couldn't think of a better guest to have on to talk about basketball than WNBA analyst LaChina Robinson. We'll be chatting about all things WNBA, including the growth of the league, predictions for the playoffs, and lots more. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with other sports fans. Without further ado, here is my conversation with LaChina Robinson. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm Anna Lively, and this week on the podcast, I am joined with a basketball analyst for ESPN and also the co-founder of the Rising Media Stars, one and only LaChina Robinson. LaChina, thanks for coming on and joining me today. Thank you for having me, Anna, and I'm just honored to know that I'm your first dorm room podcast. I mean, come on now. This is history being made today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. A new environment, a new spot. You're the first one to be on, but excited to hear about your story today. So let's start from the beginning. What captured your attention about the sport of basketball growing up that made you want to play and have a career in it? Yeah, well, to be honest, it took me a while to really um, catch on to basketball, if you will. I tried it for the first time when I was six years old. Excuse me. I was in the sixth grade. Hated it. I was like, get me out of here. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I wanted to be a gymnast. I wanted to do everything my friends were doing. Um, And I had some knowledge of basketball through my elementary years and even into middle school because my dad played kind of in the local YMCA. Um, I had an older sister on my dad's side who um, went on to college and played. And then my immediate older sister um, in my in my mom's side um, played a little basketball. And I was a big Patrick Ewing fan, but I never envisioned actually playing myself. It was like, okay, that's cool. I like to watch it. Um, did start to watch some college basketball. I remember Kira Orr at Duke. And I remember the days that Don Staley was at Virginia. This is when I was creeping into the teenage years. But it wasn't until I had a growth spurt. And I was six, four in the ninth grade. Um, and people kept asking me, are you going to play basketball? And I'm like, you know, what's the big deal about this basketball thing? But obviously <laughs> at six foot four, like right. that's what people are going to ask you. Like, girl, what are you doing? You're not hooping. You're not playing volleyball. And it was one of the, one of the guys in my community. His name was Michael J. He kept coming by my house and asking my mom if I could join a team. She was like, no, you know, we're going to get an academic scholarship. She always wanted me to go to Harvard. And once he said, well, you know, she can get an athletic scholarship too. And she was like, what? Like literally (laughs) her eyes got this big. Um, And she dropped me off at practice and never came back to get me after that. So (laughs) she was like, we're playing basketball. But it was important because I I was lacking self-esteem at 14, being tall, being awkward, being different. And basketball really empowered me and, and felt like a place where I belong. That's such a unique story. And it's so funny to hear it because your mom was like, as you said, like, so focused on like, well, China, you need to get an athletics, like academic scholarship, but then it like 180 right away. And she's like, okay, yes. girl, go yeah. to basketball. Yeah, She was <laughs> like, you know what? Your grades probably aren't that good anyway. Let's flip to this <laughs> athletic thing and see what we could do with that. So, but I yeah. mean, you excelled for, for not starting till that late and, you know, in your years growing up, because then you went to Wake Forest where you where you were an all ACC student athlete, 
for you, uh, as you sort of think about your time during your college years, what was it like for you going from being a collegiate student athlete, but then to being in like the basketball operations roles and the different roles that you had at Georgia Tech? Once I fell in love with the game, I wanted it to be a part of my life for a long time. And I wasn't good enough to do that on the court. And quite honestly, I don't know if that was my desire once I was done with college. Um, I enjoyed basketball. I loved mm -hmm. it. I made amazing friends, great memories, got an education. But I was never that girl who was just like outside shooting in the backyard till the lights went out. Um, you know, I wanted to play and then I wanted to go do other things. And so right. I, had, I had varying interests when I graduated, but I knew I wanted to stay close to basketball. And the best way for me to do that at that time um, was to work on the athletic administration side uh, collegiately. Um, I got an internship when I was done with college at the ACC conference office and championships. I learned about everything that happened behind the scenes, was blown away. Like as a student athlete, you just see like the ACC tournament, all these things happen. You don't know how much work is going into right. it. So it was a great experience for me and I never wanted to coach. So I was like, Hey, if I, if I work on the operation side or with a team, then I can always stay around the game. So that was what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, until I went through a little bit of a quarter life crisis. I was probably 26, 27 years old and just felt like I loved my job, but there was something else for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and after a lot of prayer, a lot of self-reflection, like talking to people, I decided to pivot into broadcasting. And the first time I put on a headset, I said to myself, I will do this for free. And that's what I tell people in terms of finding finding what your thing is, what your, right. what your passion, purpose, like what that thing is that you wake up thinking about that you're going to do anyway because you love it why not get paid to do it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what broadcasting became for me. That's a really fun story to hear because you were like not in the broadcasting field for a while after college oh, and you were no. in <laughs> basketball, as you said, because you wanted to play basketball, but it wasn't that same like area and aspect as like, as you said, you were like going through like, what do I really want to do? So like, yeah. obviously you weren't really doing a ton of broadcasting things in college. So like, how did you know what to do when you finally did put that headset on for the first time and were trying to like call games? You know, this is going to sound crazy, but it's so true. So I had zero experience. I wasn't a communications major. I wasn't a broadcast. I was a sociology major, okay? And yet I was determined at 26, 27 years old telling people I was going to be a broadcaster. And they were like, okay, how is this gonna happen? But my first skill, and this is, this is I don't know if I've ever said this, was that I have the ability to mimic. I've watched so much basketball in my life I was like, okay, I know what people talk about and I know how they talk. And I, I understand the job of commentators just by simply watching. Now that right. doesn't make you good at it. I did a lot of volunteering um, to carry stats so that I could sit in the truck and listen to other analysts and learn, learn what they were doing and what they were talking about. You know, I, I took games where I didn't even get paid, did a lot of radio just at whatever level, uh, just so I can learn. But I, mm -hmm. I had to teach. I was self-taught and I was I was fortunate enough to have a lot of mentors and people that were like, OK, let me show you a few things. Let me help you. Let me give you feedback. Mm -hmm. um, but it was literally like a hodgepodge curriculum that I put together myself of, OK, 
you know, you need some practice doing this girl. So you got to figure out how to do that. And it does require that sacrifice. I had a full-time job so I could take those, you know, unpaid chances to be like the analyst for the local rec league team, you know, just to get reps or whatever. And so that's kind of how, how I got into it. And then you keep doing it and you keep getting feedback. And then one day somebody gets sick and you actually get like a little regional game and they're like, Oh, okay. You're, you're actually good. And all it takes is, is one chance, one shot, but um, a lot of hard work and learning and, and, you know, being self-taught really uh, goes into that. I think your story is a great example for those like that might not know what they're passionate about, like when they're going to school or getting an education or even years after, but that you can do what you enjoy and love as long as you're willing, as you said, like to put the work in and to teach yourself and, and rely on other people to ask them like what you can improve upon or different things to find different avenues to give you that opportunity to do what you're passionate about. And so obviously you're really good at it because you've won multiple awards, including like the Don Staley Excellence and Broadcasting Award. Um, But you're still currently an analyst for ESPN. You do both WNBA games, NBA games. What do you enjoy about being able to broadcast and and give listeners at home who might not be as familiar with the sport of basketball to your same knowledge and inside sort of look? Yeah, there's a there's some things that I I think are really special about this job that I get the opportunity to do, right? First, I'm giving back to the game that gave so much to me. I would not be where I am in my life without basketball. Like I have learned how to persevere and set goals and lose and um, celebrate and again, made so many friends, have a great network. Um, but I also understand that there are not a lot of people that look like me that are able to get a microphone and give their perspective. I'm a woman, I'm black. Um, traditionally people have said, well, women don't know what they're talking about in sports. And what do women know about sport? Well, I get an opportunity to grab the mic and change that narrative for minorities that are are doing this. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I'm in a, in a place of honor. Um, I also believe that I have had a very unique experience in life like no two people have had the same experiences and so I'm bringing myself and the things that I've gone through and that I've seen and that I've been taught and that I enjoy I'm bringing all of this into how I see the the game and ultimately to be able to give women sports to be able to give diverse women black women um you know WNBA has moms and business owners like all of these amazing women a bigger platform to be able to amplify them as leaders and to give them more visibility like that's the work I want to be doing and so it's not even really people think it's about the television side that that just happens to be what I'm good at but right. it's what I get the chance to do, how I can impact the world at a larger level that really is is significant for me. I think that's so great. And thank you for sharing. It really gives like people at home or even me like the perspective and idea of like why you love to do what you do, not just like for the job or for the TV aspect, but to like be a representation, as you said, because you're a minority and a female, which there's not many people in that space yet because there's a lot more male, it's a lot more male dominated space still yes. currently. And so to to be in that area where people can look and see somebody who looks like them or different things to know that it's possible is like so impactful in and of itself. But speaking of 
broadcasting and impacting others. You're also the co-founder of the Rising Media Stars. Can you talk about how this came to be and really what work you sort of do with these younger reporters and broadcasters? Yeah, so Rising Media Stars started um, when I met a gentleman named Kevin Nixon, who um, is our co-founder. He and I are co-founders together. And we came together with a passion to, first of all, diversify sports. We were watching television, sports on television all the time. And to your point, we see men. We don't see people of color very often. So it was like, how can we move the needle? And we had both also been working in our own spaces to mentor young women, to help them. Like, you can shadow me. Yeah, sure. Come to the game and shadow me. You know, they, they would email me. Women, young women would email me all the time and say, I want to do what you do. Like, can you talk to me? Can you have coffee? Can you? So I was willing to do all those things. Um, but when Kevin and I came together, it was like, well, how can we just be more intentional about this? And so we launched Rising Media Stars, technically our first First class started in 2018. We are now um, about to graduate our third class and welcome in our fourth class. We took one year off due to COVID. But basically what the program is, is that hodgepodge of a transition that I told you about <laughs> that I went through. We're trying to bring some structure to it for um, women of color that want to get into broadcasting. So how can we help diversify broadcasting? But then also, how can we provide like real on the job experience, right? Because mm -hmm. um, as soon as you apply for a broadcasting job, people will be like, well, let me see what experience you have. And you're like, well, somebody would have to hire me in order to get that <laughs> right. experience. So, so we try to help them build their reels by, you know, we partner with teams here in Atlanta, the United um, the Braves now, the Falcons, the Hawks, and the Dream. And they get to actually go out and stand on the field and do a stand-up. And so that's probably the most significant aspect of the program. But we also have tons of mentors that teach classroom sessions that are helping with branding and negotiations and when do you need an agent and how should you dress? And for me, I'm like, okay, how do you ask a question? Like, let's talk about the anatomy of a question. I'm I'm interested in teaching these women those things so that when they get these opportunities, they're prepared. And that is really, in a nutshell, what what we what we are trying to do with Rising Media Stars is prepare these women for that next step and their careers in sports broadcasting. Um, but ultimately it's a sisterhood. You know, that's the part about it that I love the most is that they support each other and you know, it, it's, there's nothing like college because you're around so many people of your age, but you realize how lonely it is once you get into the workforce. It's like, I need somebody to talk to about these things. So they also are, are a sounding board for each other. Um, and, and that's something I love about the program as well. Well, that's awesome to hear how that all came to be at first, but then to see the growth of it and to see, as you talked about, like you and your the whole organization as a whole trying to like answer all those questions, which are all so good and so important because some of those that you say there, I'm like, yeah, I would love to know the answers to some of those things too. So yes. that is so like such a huge positive impact for all of those young females that are in that right now and getting to have real life experiences and practicing as well in and of itself, but also have those mentors in between. So, yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of fun and we're, we're, experimenting as we go along. I've never started a nonprofit and Kevin hadn't either. So we, we have a board that's tremendous. Like our board of directors does so much of the heavy lifting. And again, like m many of my friends and net network and Kevin's network, we've all just kind of come together and make it work. Um, so it, it's, it's really about giving back, which is important. 
That's great. I love that. <laughs> and speaking of sports as well, you know, the WNBA. So I really want to ask you, like, what is it like for you? Because you've been broadcasting for many years now, but getting to see the growth of the WNBA of the whole league over the time that you've been in that space for for your career. Yeah. Um, it's I, I don't even know if rewarding is is the word, but obviously the work itself is fulfilling again for all the reasons that I've talked about. And, and you know, it's a, a league that um, is so talented, but just hasn't had as many people as it has deserved over time believe in it to pour in resources, to work in media and all of those things. And, and we're feeling a, a shift. I feel like there's a shift in women's sports in general, where there's just more of a collective investment, um, which is heightening the platform for these women. The WNBA's ratings are through the roof. They're always growing. The audience, when, when other sports audiences coming out of the pandemic were down, the W was going up. Um, when you look at their social media and their merchandise sales, you know, social media impressions, all of those things indicate that this league is, is headed toward in the right direction. They're talking about expansion and, um, ownership groups are putting more money and resources behind these teams. So everything is going like up, up, up. And it just feels honestly really good. I was reflecting the other day, you know, Asia Wilson scored 53 points in the game and I was courtside and I was like, wow, how lucky am I to have been courtside for so many of these moments in the W? And it's like, I am so glad that 16 years ago, I bet on this league. I said, I'm going to just dig my heels in. Everyone's like, nobody watches the WNBA. Nobody cares. I care. And so I'm proud of myself for betting on myself in this space but also just to say I was even a small teeny part Mm. of something very special happening. Like I was a very micro sized part of the momentum of the growth of this league. But to even say that I was 10 toes down from day one, it feels good. It feels really good. And and more than anything, it, it feels great because these women deserve it. I think this momentum is just getting started. I think we'll see even more of an investment, even more TV games, bigger platforms, more shoe deals, more signature shoes, hopefully more pay for these women. I think we'll see more, more, more in, in so many areas. And it's it's just, it's it's awesome to see because women deserve it. I think it's really great that you talked about you reflecting on it in and of itself of you, like believing in yourself and believing in the league too, to take a chance on it when it was smaller back in the day, but also to hear you talk about all the success because the WNBA is having so much success and the trajectory, the trajectory is only going to continue to grow and grow until people, as you said, more teams, more money, more shoe deals, everything in between. So it's only going up and everything's only going to continue to grow. So it's going to be exciting to watch that journey. But since you are an analyst, I have to ask you, speaking of postseason predictions, who do you think is going to win the 23 WNBA championship. Do you think Las Vegas is going to repeat? I want to hear your thoughts. And it looks like you got some thoughts the way you started <laughs> smiling into that question. Uh, had you asked me this two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I would have said the Las Vegas aces are probably going to repeat as champions. And I still believe that there is a really good chance that that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but less of a chance than I thought okay. two weeks ago kind of started to unravel with Candace Parker's injury with Raquana Williams suspension. 
Then here comes the New York Liberty, who have been giving the Aces fits. I think they 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 beat them twice this summer. Um, Vegas is looking vulnerable. They're lot. They're not looking as invincible as I once thought. And credit the rest of the league because these teams are really good. Um, yeah. We started the season saying that there was so much movement on all these rosters. We don't know what the playing style is going to be, and there's new head coaches and all this stuff. And Vegas has the most consistency. But look at what Connecticut has done under Stephanie White or the Dallas Wings, for that matter, with a healthy right. Satu Sabli and getting Natasha Howard. Um, you know, I mentioned New York, so it just really feels like this championship is up for grabs. I do believe that matchups matter. Like there are just some teams that Vegas doesn't match up great with, or that Dallas does or does it like, I, I think it's going to depend on who you're playing in that first round, but this is great. I don't mind yeah. that. Like, I'd like it being more unpredictable. Um, I love the parody in the league. And so I don't know who's going to win it, Anna. I wish I had a, 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 an answer for you on that. What about you? Who do you think is going to win? Well, I mean, I was leaning toward Las Vegas, to be honest, because as you talked about the pieces, but I think the injuries could play a teeny bit of a role. But I would say New York has really just, I think, like made a whole nother leap and bound this year in and of itself. I mean, they made additions, as did a lot of teams with great, you know, top collegiate athletes in the in the WNBA draft. But like I think it'd be cool to see those two teams match up in like a series in the postseason. Like, yeah, it's well, just get your popcorn ready. <laughs> yes. Well, and what I will say is there's nothing like that hunger to win your first championship. Right. And New York is a franchise that's been around since the first year the WNBA mm -hmm. started. They've never won one. And not to say that if you just win one, you don't have that, that strong desire, but I think that's why we haven't had a repeat champion since what, 0102 with the Sparks. It's hard. Right. It's really hard to repeat. And so I kind of get the feeling that a first year organization could, could win. Um, Connecticut hasn't won one. You know, um, I don't, I don't, can't remember who Dallas was before they were Dallas. They were Tulsa, but before that, I can't remember who they were, but I don't know if they, their organization has won one. So um, yeah, fans will have to tune in and see. It's it's gonna be exciting, and what's fun is the parody aspect because you don't know. It's not like oh, we're gonna watch this and they're automatically probably gonna win. Like it could go either way. It could swim yes. one way or the other. That's gonna be exciting. And as you yes. said, like the Liberty, they could have a big chance because they have Sabrina Ionescu, Brianna Stewart, some big ringers in there that can really like lead the way in the postseason. So I'm excited to watch postseason when it gets here. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Yes, for sure. Well, LaChina, what I always do to finish off the podcast is what I call my favorite five questions. So okay. number one, what is one piece of advice you would give to the next generation? Um, One of my favorite quotes is don't be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. Um, and basically what that mentality is, is be fearless, go after what you want. That limb could look really shaky, but if you don't try it, you never get a chance to grab that fruit. So, um, that's, that's, that would be my, my word of advice. That's a really good one. I'm totally going to take that. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, Go ahead. Put that in your back pocket, Anna. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Give a shout out to someone who's made an impact on your life. Oh man. Oh. Ooh, someone who's made an impact on so many people. Um, I would say my parents. 
I have found myself, you know, we all go kind of like through that phase of life, especially when you're a teenager, we're like, oh, parents, here they go. <laughs> right. But as I've gotten older, I'm realizing that I have so many qualities and characteristics of my parents that um, have made me who I am and the fabric of who I am. Like my dad was a like a hustler. He he was had a hustler spirit and I am a the same way. You know, I can balance a, a ton of a lot of different jobs. I'm not afraid to, um, you know, take a chance on myself. My mom is just very, she's a socialite. She loves people. And even though I consider myself an introvert, I do feel like I have um, the ability to connect with people in a very special way. And so my parents just, they've made me who I am. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly, because we all have all those sides. But Absolutely. at the end of the day, yeah, I'm just, I'm just very, very glad that I have the parents that I have. Oh, I love that. Totally can relate on it. You know, you go through the little phase, but then you realize how much in common, like the different similarities between your parents that you have of yourself. And you're like, whoa, I do yes. like, act that way. You know? Yes, I do chew my food like that. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know you're a busy person, but if you had an off day and you could plan your ideal day, how would you want to spend it? On a beach. And I don't care what beach. I just want the sun to be out. I want it to be a swimmable beach. I probably want to get out on a boat at some point for like three or four hours because I love being on the water. Yeah, definitely on a beach. Sounds fun and warm and exciting. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. What sport would you cover or play if you didn't do basketball? Um, It would be between tennis and gymnastics. Gymnastics, because I've always enjoyed it. Um, I really love like, the outfits and so bad like leotards it's the, okay I used to do gymnastics I get it <laughs> I love the the dress up aspect and the entertainment aspect of it they're all obviously tremendous athletes I had a chance to work the Tokyo Olympics so I got to see Simone Biles on beam and Jordan Childs and Sunisa um and I just have a lot of respect but also because I'm tall and so that was never something I was going to be able to seriously do um I remember them telling my mom like this is the end of the road for her. Um, you know, her legs are a little long. So I, I've always kind of wanted to dip back into that world a little bit. And then just tennis. I, I've always enjoyed watching tennis. No, those are two great sports. And I can agree. I mean, watching all those people that you just named. I mean, they're having championships in a couple of days. But Simone, that's just incredible to watch. Like, no, it, Wait, it's indescribable. So you said you did gymnastics? So, yeah, I did gymnastics, competitive gymnastics all the way till I was 13 before I had like an elbow issue that they were like, retire yeah. or have the equivalent of Tommy Johns, which like MLB pitchers have and have yes. arthritis at 13 because I wasn't done growing. So like it would get in my bones. And I'm like, that's not really great options. Like, no. so sadly, that's I'm not. I mean, yeah, it was tough, but it's it's I have so much respect for the people like I love watching college gymnastics and elite gymnastics because it's so fun, at least when I've interviewed them too, like being able to hear their stories, but like just to see because gymnastics is so hard, especially the mental side, because it's just Ooh. I mean, man, yeah. man, oh man, there are places so. you can hide in a team sport, but in but gymnastics, individual sports, especially like gymnastics, the place no. is like everybody's watching you and like one misstep. And you can also get hurt. Let's not. And you have a four like inch that. beam. Like oh, it's yeah. not, you don't have room for error, really. My it's, feet were oof. way too big for that beam, by the way. They didn't even fit. 
No, I love watching it. I'm just like, man, I have a lot of respect for you. You are awesome, but oof, those are hard skills to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you ended up where you were supposed to be ultimately. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Last but certainly not least, if you had a superpower that could make the world better. What would you want it to be and why? A superpower that could make the world better. I would probably say I would address the issues with our environment right now. It's really scary to see what's happening with the wildfires and, um, you know, even the glaciers that are melting in Alaska, like global warming is for real. And I'm concerned about what's going to happen with our world if we don't start paying attention and trying to change our habits and our mindset and funneling resources into into treating our our world and, and nature and the environment better. Um, it's a, it's a major concern for me. I feel like it should be a priority for everyone, but we're starting mm-hmm. to see some really crazy things happening, and I think we'll see more um, happening as as a result of um, you know global warming. And I just I hope we we if I could ma- wave my magic wand. I would take all of those issues away and protect our wildlife, but mm-hmm. I would also change our mindsets around it so mm-hmm. that we could, um, you know, be better. This is not, our, this is, we don't own this place. We're just no. temporary inhabitants. Right. So um, we need to do a better job. No, I totally agree to take better care of the environment and to keep people safe to, to, to lessen the amount of wildfires and all those type of environment things going on. So hopefully those will improve. But yes. uh, LaChina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story from playing basketball to getting in a whole new career space with the broadcast and WNBA and so much more. And I'm looking forward to hearing you call games as the WNBA season continues and gets down to the wire to see who wins that title. Well, thanks so much, Anna. I enjoy our time. I'm glad we finally had some real quality time to spend and um, just congratulations on making it to college. And, um, you know, I'll be watching all the UNC Chapel Hill happenings like, oh, I know her. That girl right there in the crowd. Uh, I'll be paying attention, but have fun. Enjoy this experience. And um, it's always good to be with you. Thank you.